Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to this sloppy experience of this week's ride stream. I'm your host, Dustin Klein. We are going to do a little group ride in Watopia. And today, I have a very special guest. Hello, what's up? Welcome, welcome. Terry is a YouTuber, a solid dude, a cyclist, a father of 17. Quite the magnificent individual Terry Terry is. <laughs> Some of those are not true. Uh, wait, a father of what? Wait, hello? 17? Hello. <laughs> Can you hear me? We're live. So we're oh, in a I holding pattern for the, okay. uh, for the ride stream, for the ride, which is cool. We got a solid group of folks. But today the focus is going to be on Terry. We, uh, there's so many things we want to know about you, Terry. Oh, put me on the spot. What do we got here? Well, actually, I figured an easy way to start this off would just be, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in uh, the Bay Area, the North Bay That's of right. uh, California, and I was born in Vallejo. Okay. Um, which is the edge of the Bay. That's uh, Mac Dre, if you guys are familiar, E-40. Um, oh, sick. Over there. And then uh, I grew up in Fairfield, California. If you ever heard of uh, Jelly Beans, yeah. uh, that's where they're made. <laughs> Claim to fame. Yeah, man. Jelly Beans. Jelly Berenson. Jelly Belly Terry Berenson. That's funny. Yeah, so a lot of California life. Then. And then I would assume the Bay Area was like the common pull. To, I mean, that's the magnet from that for that zone, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, San and, uh, Francisco, sorry. San Francisco is, yeah, for sure. And um, so to give everyone a little bit of context, uh, Fair Vallejo is only without traffic. Well, back in the day, it's like 25 minutes to San Francisco. Oh, that's so Fair Vallejo, yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, but but Fairfield um, would be more like 50 minutes. But uh, traffic has gotten crazy over the years. The last couple of times yeah. uh, I went back, I still have family who live in Fairfield. And if there's traffic, it's like a little over an hour now whoa um but yeah i'm very familiar with san francisco uh i used to go out when i was a kid uh in uh, high school anyways and skate there with friends all the time i'm talking like multiple days a week so uh, oh, i always considered myself uh someone who would live in san francisco as soon as i had the opportunity <laughs> and th and then i'm assuming that's what happened then too yeah eventually um I got out of high school. Oh, this is going to turn into a story here. Uh, I did six years, in, <laughs> six years in the military. Um, After high I had, school? Right out of high school, I went into the Air Force um, to, one, to get out of Fairfield um, because I didn't know it would have been a bad place to stay. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. And then uh, I also wanted to go to college, and I didn't know how to do it. And the... Uh, I guess role models and people who are older than me, I kind of asked them, well, how do I go to college? And no one really knew because no one had went to college in my family before. So oh, wow, <laughs> it was pretty funny. And I was like, shit, I got to get out of here. So that was the easy way. And when I told uh, my grandfather that I was thinking about it, he immediately, he was in the Navy for a few years and he was like, I'll take you to the recruiters right now. And I ended up signing up early and then leaving like, uh, 30 days after uh, high school but that brought me that brought me back to san francisco when i was done 
um, and it paid for a large portion of college for me. So wouldn't have been able to do it without it. So I don't, uh, time in the military was a strange time. We looked at it as a job, but it was uh, an opportunity and that's how I always looked at it. So. And then, I mean, do you, yeah, Aubrey, it sounds like it was like the perfect version of joining the military. Like you used it to go to college. It changed your life. You, you basically got what you wanted out of it. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It actually helped guide my path. I mean, obviously every choice you make is guiding your life path, you know? Uh, and at the time I, yeah, I was just like, Oh, I'll just do this and go to college. But the path I let, I, I chose in the, in the military, the job I chose, I worked in electronics. I was, uh, I was in this uh, thing called electronic warfare. Um, okay. And basically it's radar jamming for fighter planes. So I learned, uh, I went to school for a little over a year for electronic principles and theory and learned a lot about electronics and also uh, signals and uh, radio frequencies. And then that led me into being surrounded by people who already had this background, had computers growing up, had, um, had been building computers since they were kids. And like, I grew up with no computer. Like <laughs> I had no computer in my house. I had, this is before iPhones. So uh, it introduced me to uh, this world of uh, kind of technology and kind of, I wouldn't say it gave me a head start. It actually popped me up with everyone else because I just wasn't familiar with it. Yeah, and then, do, do, I mean, does it, do you feel like you kind of fell in love with it or like you, well, yeah, I guess I didn't end, I didn't end my thought there, uh, I guess. Um, basically, what that did was that introduced me to uh, software on computers. So then I started, and then I learned that you can pirate software. So then I started, like, downloading Photoshop. And then Photoshop, um, and before all this, uh, when I was skateboarding in the past, I had a little shitty uh, video camera, a little Sony thing with a fisheye that I bought off of Market Street when I was a kid. <laughs> out of one of those little camera shops and uh i didn't know how to edit the videos i would just take the plugs the rca plugs and plug it into the back of the tv and then we would just go home and like watch the clips that i filmed you know never yeah. ed edited a tape because i didn't know how to do it i didn't even know what that was about so getting uh involved with computers and then learning more and more um, about the software, I got Photoshop. And then uh, I started um, learning about how to, you know, really funky Photoshop things. Um, and there were no, no one to take photos with of, this is all in the military. So I was like taking selfies back in the day. So I bought this like really shitty, it was like a $400 brick Sony camera and it shot like six megapixel photos. <laughs> and I started shooting like selfies and like Photoshopping it and learning the software. And then that kind of led me into like going where I went from college. Um, I got more and more interested in it. So the photography was specifically the thing that kind of connected you or like that pulled to you? It was the software. I was trying to learn Photoshop and like, whoa, I had to take photos to learn how to like manipulate these photos and they're really bad. I'm gonna, I have plans on showing these photos later and a little bit later in life, but there's sometimes <laughs> I go back in the archives and look at them like, whoa. <laughs> That's great though. Well, 
Yeah, but that's perfect because we all, yeah. you know, we don't start off as being good at anything, you know. Exactly. You got to experiment and, and fail and try again and, and keep going, and then that's what leads you on to, you know, who you become. Exactly. Um, yeah. So, were you skating the whole time that you were in the military? I mean, can you skate in the military? Yeah. 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 Um, so in the military. Um, all the way up, so I used to, let me go back a little bit, I used to race BMX. Uh, I broke my arm in, in a like a triple points like race at my local track in Napa, and I like had a concussion, and I had to actually get taken out um, by an ambulance uh, when I was really young, I don't know, like 14, um, and I tried to go to practice, they had practice, races were on Sundays, like Sunday nights, and okay. they had, uh, or Sunday mornings, and then uh, practice was Wednesday night. So I went back that Wednesday with a cast on my right wrist, and I tried to ride the practice, and they were like, you can't ride with a cast <laughs> on your arm. And my friend was a little older than me at the time. He was already uh, driving. Uh, he had a driver's license in the car, so he drove us there, and he was like, he's like, well, I'm going to practice and ride. And I, he was like, here, I have a skateboard in my trunk, like go skate. And there was a, a Napa college pretty close by. So that's what I did. I just like went and skated. And that was like my first, I mean, when I was a kid, I like, you know, put a knee on a skateboard, but I never like really tried to like push a skateboard around until that day. And then oh. that led, that led me to ne like not riding. I mean, I still had my race bike, but I started skating from that day on. <laughs> Whoa! Which was strange. You yeah. just got like obsessed with it. Yeah, he gave me a skateboard. He eventually gave me that board. Whoa. And then, you know, after that, you ride that first board you have, you know, you ride it for like nine months and it's just like yeah. it's shit and flat yeah. and waterlogged. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you learn your first things. You ollie up your first curb. You learn yeah. like a pop shove it, you know. Uh, you learn how to kickflip and all that. Um, so then I just kept skating from there and then this this was for years i skated for about uh, 11 years without really um with some stops in between and those stops were really uh due to the military and it wasn't because i was in the military it was more like i joined the military i skated uh you know i had to go through boot camp or whatever and then when i was able to um like when i was going to school for the military which was in mississippi uh some some of it was in texas um I was skating there too, um, oh, as much sick. as I could, where I could. And then um, when I got my first duty location, that was Alaska. I was in Fairbanks, Alaska, and I was there for three years. So what slowed me down from skateboarding there was the weather. Oh. <laughs> I still tried to skate. There was a little skate park pretty close to my house, but it was just like a couple, there was like a quarter pipe and a box and a rainbow basically. Um, and I, you know, I met some friends, uh, there skating but uh that slowed me down for a while so i was skating the whole time and then i got really heavy into skating again my last uh, duty assignment was um south korea whoa uh, and i met like the best crew i could ever meet uh and it was all through skateboarding um whoa. mind you i was still riding bikes at this time i would i had a bike in south korea with me too i would put the skateboard on my back and then I would like go ride off base in the spot, you know. What, kind of, still what had, kind of bike? I had a, at that time I had a uh, it was a Redline 24 inch cruiser. Yeah. Okay. But I had to race on a Hawk, uh, a 20 inch Hawk. 
Mm -hmm. um, it's like a local Whoa. aluminum. The frame was made of square uh, square tubing. It was, it was cool, but I, I ended up breaking that bike. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense for some weird reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I snapped the the head tube on it, but whatever. Holy shit! So what's I, I guess the so the bike actually came first, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm, the bike came first through. Um, came it came. Someone in my neighborhood had a bike and, you know, so, like one of my friends and I wanted to get one. So my birthday is uh, right by Christmas. It's the 20th of December. So I remember my mom noticed I wanted a bike, like knew I wanted like a race or like a dirt jumping. Dirt jumping is, is probably the wrong word, but I, that's what I thought of it at the time because I didn't know about BMX racing. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, she was like, all right, for your birthday and your Christmas, we're going to go buy you bikes. And she bought me a GT Sick. Interceptor cool. from a local bike shop. It was tight, yeah. uh, which was a race bike. It was like a low-end race bike um, that GT made. Um, and then we had, we lived in like a residential area. So up the way, they were building like a housing development. And yes. it was like kind of on a hill. So when they, when they build the um, foundations, the houses, they like flatten the hills out, you know? So there were all these flat spots and these like round spot, like down slopes. So there cool. were all these like lips and landings Sick. already set up. So we started to carve out, you know, learning how to build jumps. We just started to carve out lips and then start stacking dirt on the, the, the top side of it. So you can jump into the landing and like, we had these jumps really close to our house, and then that's kind of how it started. And then I learned about racing, and then my uh, my friend's father started taking us to Napa to go race all the time. And we ended up going to like Napa, Stockton, Roseville. We got pretty into it for like two solid years when I was racing. Well, how? Until, what ages? No, I broke my arm, and I uh, between really young, uh, be thirteen and fourteen, or oh. yeah, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Uh, is when I was racing bikes. Oh, that's um, pretty good. Yeah, that seems about the right. The most. And then, and then that's when I picked up skateboarding heavy. And then uh, skated for a long time. I, like, mostly skated. Didn't ride, didn't hit jumps. Used my bike to kind of commute to spots sometimes. But I always thought that, um, and I still kind of feel this way, when you ride with a skateboard, it's hard to do too. <laughs> I don't know. It's something about not having the warm up of skating to the spot. I always felt a little off. <laughs> oh, if you if you didn't have the bike, if I would skate to a spot, I would feel more warmed up. Oh, like there was a local spot from our house in a school that you can go to. It was all covered, so it was a good spot to go when it rained. That's great. Um, and I remember if I would just like skate there i would feel better when i got there but if i rode my bike sometimes i would have a horrible skate day <laughs> i think it was just psychological i know a lot of uh, things are psychological <laughs> in skate is so much about the brain oh my it god it is it is it's all yeah. mental um oh you know what i think i've always thought it's i also grew up skating and i thought it was funny when i would start to move around how much i skated in the the kind of the the vibe of skating was so different in all the different places which i mean maybe that makes sense but i thought it was so interesting like south korea the right oh. people the right blah 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 like the the stars kind of align in certain spots yeah i think 
uh, it's kind of like cycling. It's like everyone had that that common interest, you know, and we kind of looked at things in a mm. similar way because of skateboarding. And man, South Korea at that time, it's just marble ledges and great huge marble plazas everywhere. And like security wasn't like really hip to it. This is like 2000, uh, 2006 when I was skating in, in South Korea. So it was like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it just wasn't on skateboarding wasn't I mean people were skating in, in South Korea we ran into uh, a bunch of people and met people in Seoul where we would we would drive up to Seoul or take uh, train to Seoul a lot and there was like scene there but I lived three hours south so like ah. no one really tripped and everything was great it was like marble and like uh, well manicured like I loved uh, being in South Korea or in Korea sorry they don't call it South Korea anymore. They just say it's just Korea. It's the one and only. <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you ever skate at EMB and stuff like that? Oh, though? yeah. Growing up, uh, I used to skate 7 when it had... Uh, I was a young kid. Oh, Pier when 7. It had, yes, uh, Pier 7 when it had metal coping on a lot of the yes. blocks still. Like, it had... There was a time, like, if you look at skate videos, you can see 7 had metal coping on the old ones and then the metal coping started to fall off and then it turned into that really rounded cement that was yeah. like hard to skate hard to do any slide tricks on and people who oh. get tricks on it you're always like damn that's this cool. i always was yeah those manual pads of seven and then um seven you know pure seven for the for the non-locals yeah, out there and then uh, uh, and then embarcadero before they rebuilt it was a different scene oh altogether. yeah together right and uh, there was a Carl's Jr. over there where oh, yeah. uh, they had the uh, <laughs> soda machine away from the registers, kind of away from like on the back wall. And like you would see all the like homeless dudes or, in, or people skating, just filling up whatever they wanted. And it was like <laughs> kind of a free for all in there. And I've seen some shit go down in that Carl's Jr. It's no longer a Carl's Jr., but um, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that whole that whole time there was, was great. What's introduction some... introduction to smoking weed and like ah. <laughs> being super high like san francisco like skating around late night was always a good time there used to be this uh these really fun ledges the ledges are still there they're all barred up but there's a wendy's across market street it's kind of right after new montgomery but on the uh, up market if you're going up towards castro on the left there are these great ledges that was a spot that was really fun to skate um Obviously, Hubba was a fun spot to oh, skate, yeah. but at that time, uh, Hubba was terrifying to me. Like, I had ollied the six, but I never, like, did any ledge tricks on it. It was just so gnarly, man. Um, just good times there. I saw Caswell Barry one time. He's from San Jose. Uh, just destroy Hubba warming up, and then he just left. And he was like, hey, you know. Like, you would see pros all the time out there. Like, Carl Watson would say hi to us because we were skating there so much, and that's when I started to feel good. I was like, oh, Carlson, hi to us. He's such a good person. <laughs> He's such a good guy, yeah. He'd yeah. always, he was the one that kind of influenced me early on to, like, learn or just pay attention to, like, keeping things clean and, like, picking up trash and stuff. You For know real? what I mean? That's great. Like, he would go around 7 and, like, pick up trash and, like, uh, even 3rd and Army, he would be like, you know, or he would talk about, like, yo, don't, don't fucking 
like do graffiti on, right our, on like, yeah. our skate spot because this is why they stop us from skating here like right. keep it clean and we can keep they don't care you know it's like ah oh, that's a good way to think about it like that's you spend it. this much time here why are you gonna make it look like a shithole right. not that i'm not talking about graffiti at all but you know just trash and all that i don't think graffiti makes things look like a shithole that's it's more of like a political thing i think um, anyways <laughs> 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 whatever i don't want to get into that <laughs> um so i'm curious how the bike how did the okay did so i get back into bikes well no you're in south korea you'd say you ride to skate okay what happens you end up back in the bay area going to the academy of art with matt reyes i'm yeah and he's in the chat what up matt <laughs> but is i mean what happens is that that's what happens you end up back in in the bay and then yeah what year is that uh i'm in i'm back in the bay in 2007 uh i start oh. straight so straight out of i get out of korea uh in june or yeah july 23rd um 2007 and i go right back to california I, I'm supposed to start school in like the end of August, but I have nowhere to stay. <laughs> I have nothing to do. Uh, so I end up staying in Fairfield where I'm from. Um, not at my, my parents' house, but at, um, at a friend's at a, on his couch. Shout out to Mike Harris. Thank you for that. Um, and he lived, he lived right by the local like Fairfield skate park, Rotary skate park. Oh, cool. That's where the skateboarding picks up again. Like, oh. I mean, I was skating in Korea the whole time, but I went right because I was skating so much in Korea. I was like, well, I don't have anything to do. I'm still technically getting paid for another month. And then Sick. I don't start school until, you know, this, I'll just skate. Like, I don't have anything to do. This is great. You know, after being in the military for six years and having, being told what to do, it just felt so good to be like, I'm just going to skate every day and sleep on homeboy's couch and eat a California burrito and bring home a 30 pack and, you know, smoke some weed and go to bed and do it all over again. Sick. And that's what I did for a few weeks. Huh. I skated there and then, uh, I went to LA for a little bit. And then once I started school, um, I was like, might've been second week. I had someone down the hall show me the mash video. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> blown away and i was like what is this this is so sick and uh interesting the thing that i know that it gravitated i gravitated towards was the way that it was filmed because it felt like a skate video right. and then later after learning that who helped film that video made a lot of sense because uh gabe Morford. Uh, yeah totally a, a skate someone who's been uh filming skate videos forever so and in shooting photos of it. So it's like, right. obviously. So I was already drawn to it from that skateboarding kind of feeling. And that's what really got me um, hooked on it. And then, dude, Andy, I still say this. I always tell uh, people, I tell uh, Mike sometimes too. I'm like, Andy, the dude who opened up the match part, my favorite part still to this day. I love the part. So yes. good. I don't, I've never met him or anything, but I'm always like, oh. I'm your biggest fanboy. Yes! <laughs> that part is sick. And then also to it's see sick. him riding BMX at the end, I was, I was like really hyped on that. I was like, it, oh, and he rides BMX? It's sick. He grew up with BMX. Yeah, you can kind of tell the way he rides his bike. He was like yeah. kind of shredding on it. <laughs> 
And then, you know, just seeing all the parts, like obviously I, I, I saw I, you're in the MASH video, what? A middle part, holler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where I first saw saw a glimpse of you and riding and like there's like a little cutaway of you silk screening your catering yeah. shit in there. It's pretty tight. So that was like what got me into riding. No um, way. Back, oh, that's... back on back on bikes again. But I again I had that red line cruiser. I had it I still had it with me. I brought it with me from Korea. So it was there in San Francisco oh. with me. But I was heavy in the skateboarding and I was in SF so honestly like those first couple weeks I was pushing a skateboard around because I was like I'm home like I'm back in San Francisco I'm very familiar with this place and now I live here like I'm fucking skating yes (laughs) yes and it's such Uh, a skate city yeah it is so then uh yeah I saw MASH and then I was like how do I get one of these bikes I went back uh to a thrift store and I bought a uh all chromed out Schwinn road bike and I made myself a conversion. Whoa. <laughs> Did you find that I, in San Francisco or was it No, outside? no, no. Yeah. I got it I got it in Fairfield for ten dollars. Fairfield, yeah. Oh, tight. For ten bucks. Ten bucks. It, was all, it was all chromed out and it was clean. I mean it was old mm. and stuff. Was it heavy? It was heavy as a road bike, but as soon as you took off like <laughs> take everything off. Yeah, you took off like it had a kickstand on. Like, you take all that stuff yeah. off, it was great. Uh, oh, and then cool. I rode that for a little bit, and then I ended up getting a. I ended up getting an IRO and being really early yeah. into fixed gears and just putting a bunch of money into like you like dumb parts and bright colored like just you know just doing the dumb shit with the bike I mean, <laughs> right that, away. Yeah, it was fun though. You, you gotta was, go through it. Yeah, you gotta go through it. It was such a wave. <laughs> It was such a yeah. movement that was really a lot of that was coming out of San Francisco, too. Yeah, I always try to, like, obviously, I know my I know the roots of it. I know, like, New York has a older history with things. But the way people ride in San Francisco is, though, not like how they ride in New York. The way that I learned to ride track bikes isn't how they ride here in New York at all. It's a totally different thing. The way that I film hotlines and like ride with traffic is not how I was introduced to riding bikes in San Francisco at all. <laughs> you know, it's a totally different thing. Very different, yes. It's a styly, hill bombing, more like yes. snowboarding if you once you get good and comfortable with it. Like randonneers, I didn't even know randonneers were a San Francisco tire. I thought that's what you put on your track bike. And I moved to New York and I was like, you guys ride gator skins on the back? You guys ride, oh. like, those tires feel like shit. Or, like, you're riding Grand Prix, <laughs> Like, those feel like shit. And they're like, what do you mean feel like shit? And I'm like, when you skid, doesn't it feel like shit? And they're like, oh, we don't try not to skid. Why are you skidding? And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, because is it, like, a conservation thing? Uh, it's like a, out here, it's like you try to flow through traffic, you know? You don't, We don't stop. You stop? <laughs> yeah, they don't. They're not stopping. They're slowing and like you know. But like talking to like Cooper and some of the like they'll skid when they need to. Yeah. But it's not like a we're bombing a hill and you need to you you need to check your speed. You know, it's a different thing over here. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and I relate. I relate the San Francisco style of uh, track bikes uh, a little more to skateboarding than I do with the style in New York, honestly. 
I feel like, same. Like power, power sliding and, and skidding and going down the hill is different. Like whip skids, there, there's a reason why you do them the way you do them in San Francisco. So, that's all. <laughs> so then from when you started to get the, like the IRO and you started to kind of get more into the bike thing, is that where you started to get mm -hmm. into the community a little bit more? Or the scene? A little bit, yeah. I started, I did, I took, a, I took an interesting path. Um, I got the IRO set up and then I was, what did I see? I must have been an old Kio video or like, Oh, cool. Or like Radivis was probably not doing like heel sessions. And like, probably I started not. to see it. I started to see a couple people like, all, there was only a slight view. Like they could ride their bike backwards for a second. Oh, sick. And I was like, what? You can ride this thing backwards because it's fixed. You can push yourself backwards or pull yourself, that is, really. And I was like, oh, man, that's so fucking sick. So then I just started drilling. I was, like, so into it. I started going to uh, the island, island, the clock tower. Sick. Uh, where, where it was kind of, I was, like, maybe second or third wave of people going there at the time because, oh, like, okay. obviously you guys were there in MASH, and this was, like, 2003. I wasn't at the island until 2007, and oh, I was, cool. I was there. I would bring this is when I had my track bike. I would bring my track bike there with my skateboard sometimes. Yeah, that was and common I would, I, though. I feel like you yeah, would see that. I would skate, and then I would start trying to learn. Like I was doing wheelies and learning how to ride my bike backwards, and I, I, I took a while to learn how to do it. And once I got it. Then, if you ride by the island any time of the day, you just see me riding my bike backwards. <laughs> like, what is this fool doing? He's I just riding his bike backwards. <laughs> I was into it. It was cool. And then, a, a funny thing is the track bike, um, I didn't start riding it, uh, like, mileage or anything, like, into, like, really saying, like, a cyclist yet at that time i was i got into the whole trick thing and i was just like really interested in what you could do on this bike yes because uh, nobody knew it was all new yeah it was all very new at the time and there weren't companies where you can you know that had burly forks like this is the time right. i was in that like beginning of that and i'm not nowhere near uh the skill set of what people do on track bikes like matt reyes in the chat right here like does incredible things on yes bikes that are meant to ride uh not do tricks on and he's still riding it like uh, with that geometry but at the time i was like breaking wheels snapping forks like doing all this stuff because I, I learned how to 180. oh cool uh and do like nose pivots and stuff on these bikes so as this was happening, companies were starting to make things that were burlier and burlier. Um, I guess that's where I was going with this. Until like I started to see this weird merge of like BMX and track bikes happening. And around the, this time, um, I was hanging out at the clock tower and there were people who rode BMX there. And yeah. I remember I have this like BMX racing background, but I didn't have in like on dirt. They never rode a bike really on the street on the street with like pegs i didn't really know oh. much about that i've seen photos in like bmx plus but i just it wasn't my scene wait so, so uh, did, did you ever have like a because when you grow up as a skater it maybe it's different in san francisco there's a tension between bmx and skate 
Was that like a? Yeah, dude. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not different in San Francisco. It's heavy. It's heavy. Uh, Northern Northern California is heavy on that um, for so, some reason, and and I always hated it. Yeah, uh, was that hard? I, I don't like. So I share the, some of the, the opinions of people who skate. Like I can understand um, why there is uh, beef, and and some of the some of the beef comes from me is like the way bikes at the time or a little bit before I started riding BMX again with pegs, they were, you know, bunny hopping like three feet in the air to slam their pegs on a one foot ledge Trashing and just chunking, shots. just shredding ledges up and killing them and yeah. like ruining spots almost, you know? Yes. So there's that. And then like, I didn't skate skate parks too much until I got a little older, but the I know that metal pegs and skate parks and um, started to uh, really fuck things up. And then also, um, when a, someone on a bike runs into someone, it's a different thing than someone on a skateboard. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, They're going yeah. faster. The speed's different. So learning the etiquette of riding together is still new. Um, and, and I think the, the Bay Area, Northern California still has some issues. But I think it's getting better and better as time goes on um but for you so, were you interested in riding bmx on street or were you like no never because so that yes no no so that's what happened i was sensitive to the whole ledge thing um but i bought a bike off of someone at the clock tower a bmx bike and oh. then that got me in to riding bmx and the funny thing is i could i can full cab my track bike and 180 my track bike and ride fakie on my track bike, but I could never, I never did that on BMX before. Whoa! <laughs> Was it? Could so then, you, so could then you... I learned it all on a BMX, okay. and and eventually, once I put some money into it, I bought like a free coaster, with the mindset to keep things different, because a, a fixed gear you pedal forward, you pedal backwards, right? Yeah. A free coaster you can pedal forward and you can coast, so you don't have to pedal, and then you can go backwards and you don't have to pedal. Oh, so I was like, oh, I want to get a free coaster so I can coast both ways, and it's exactly opposite of a fixed gear. And maybe I'll, you know, learn something new, or it'll feel like a different, whole different thing. And it totally does feel like a whole different thing. Wow, I like that. Um, so I still, I ride free. I still have a BMX now, and it's a free coaster, and it's a different feeling. So you can just like throw 180 and just stand there, or sit down, and you don't have to move your legs. You can just coast backwards for days. And it's uh, it's still entertaining. I still I still push it around and ride it a little bit. Um, but I had pegs on that BMX, uh, and they were plastic. Oh. I had plastic pegs. Smart. Uh, once I once I learned about that, that's where I was like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. And then I had I had um, I had pegs um, on four pegs at one time. But I honestly I just don't like the way it feels, even with like metal pegs. It doesn't feel good. It feels way better to grind than skateboard. <laughs> cool. So I never got into it. I, t I ended up taking all the pegs off, uh, except for the front one, and I would just do hang pipes. It's kind of a trick where you like you're balancing on your front wheel going forward, and you have one foot on a peg, and one foot's like hanging. Yeah. Okay. You no. Know? I just do like little balancing tricks like that. Uh, so that's that's the extent of my peg life <laughs> on BMX. And then there was times where I would like, because I lived pretty, I lived on Eighth and Market for like a little over a year. Oh wow! Uh, that place is all crushed. There's like a huge high rise there now, but uh, it was like this old, 
there was like a Chinese buffet in the in the mid, in the like front area. It was a weird place. In the lobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we lived in the back. I don't know. Um, so I would live pretty close. So sometimes I would like ride my BMX to the clock tower, mm. get kind of like, oh, that was a fun session, and then ride back to the house, get my track bike and my skateboard, go back, oh, <laughs> and then ride and skate, and then ride. And I was like, I would just hang out there a lot. It was fun. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> Dedicated. So when did you start getting into, like, was film making at all in this journey at this point? Yeah. Um, so I talked about it earlier. The the little Sony camera is what got me got me into it. Um, Which one? The little I had like a little Sony recorded the tape when I was a kid. Oh yes, yeah, um, okay. and I got that fisheye from I don't even know it had uh, like VGA cables or whatever um, auxiliary cables on the on the back of it to plug it into the TV, and then I didn't get a real camera until. Um, I was back in that. No, I had the. Then I had the digital camera, uh, in the early days of the military, and then I picked up a film camera, um, and this relates to doing video. I picked up a Canon A1 in um, when I was like, where was I at? Somewhere in the Midwest, oh. off of some guy. It was obviously stolen. It was twenty bucks. I don't know shit. I didn't know shit about cameras. I was just <laughs> like, what? What is this film camera? So it was a Canon A1, and it had like four lenses with it. He oh, wanted, wow. he was like, "You want to buy this off me?" And he was, you could, you could tell he was kind of like, you know. And I was like, "All right, well." Uh, You're like, "I'll yeah. donate to a good cause." And I was like, "I'll give you twenty bucks for it." And he was like, "All right." <laughs> so I just wow. went to the ATM. I pulled out twenty bucks, gave him the money, started shooting. Uh, well, I didn't start shooting right away. I I remember going to Walgreens. <laughs> And uh, being like, how do I open this? <laughs> like asking the film department at Walgreens. That like, I don't is even know how to, awesome. Where does the film go? Like, how does this work? You know? <laughs> and then as I got a little smarter and, and started using Google more and YouTube and stuff, I, you know, I started to figure out how to use it. But I still had no idea. And then this leads me into um, back at the Academy of Art. Um, I did not, I studied uh, new media. Well, at first I started advertising, but I switched to this other program called new media and, uh, it's all Adobe programs. Like I said, that's kind of what I learned. Um, and they have some like basic photography program in there, uh, that you would take like two photo classes and then there were some editing classes in there. My girlfriend Tatum, who I'm still standing with right here. She doesn't want to be on camera. Uh, like, I met me. her. I met her at uh, Academy of Art, and she was in the, oh, the film program, the ph- photography program. Sick. So I was like, when we first started dating, I would like show her photos in Thrasher. I'm like, how did, how did they shoot this photo? How right. come he's like kind of transparent right. and there's like streaky lines behind him? And like, why does it? Why does the lighting look like this? And she'd be like. Fuck you! Like I don't, I don't know. Like I, this is so stupid. Or like you know, not interested in the kind of stuff that I was like, and I was just like, why does the camera do this? What does aperture mean? What's this mean? And like, and then, uh, 
I picked up, oh, I forgot, I picked up a little Nikon D40X, uh, and I was shooting digital photos, and I was picking your brain about it. I didn't know anything about it. And then one day we were all talking about film photography, and I was like, oh, I do have an old film camera. I got it off this guy for 20 bucks. And I like <laughs> pulled it out, blew the dust off, and I took it out of the bag, and I was like, oh, why don't I shoot with this? And I, I started carrying that with me every day. Oh, sick. And going... So my local Walgreens, and this is a terrible idea. This is a great idea for people who want to uh, see the results of their photography quickly, but a terrible idea because all these photos that I got from Walgreens, some of them I want to rescan them, but now I have to go through them. Luckily, I still have all the negatives, but they're just terrible scans, terrible quality. Right. Uh, <laughs> but I... I shot a bunch of photos and like I just picked we kind of had like a little photo uh, critique club in my house oh. it was uh, me my friend uh, Brian who was one of our, room my, our roommates and then uh, my girlfriend Tatum and she was in a photo program Brian and I weren't but we all shot photos all the time cool and then later uh, I started doing this thing with full frame collective and I started you know I got more and more into photography at the same time uh, I picked up a digital camera so I was shooting practicing composition with my cameras but then uh, started shooting with this Kodak place port which was like the size of an iPhone and I was like shooting making edits with it and that's when I started to edit and like started to film bike stuff and um, just film stuff around me and these things kind of came together at the same time it's kind of confusing I guess but photography was there like helping with the video stuff and then the video thing came with the Kodak place for it um, it's a funny time because like that that is not a product anymore Kodak place for it like everyone has an iPhone or a cell phone it's the same it was shot like 720p like that was oh, the highest it, resolution would you hold it like a cell phone and it had a circle in yes. the middle yes I remember yes and it was waterproof that was one of the Sick. cool things that's and I would like cool. shove it in water fountains and some of the edits cool <laughs> Um, well, so did you? How, how were you editing then? Did you have a computer uh, at that point? iMovie. Yeah, I got a. Uh, I, I I had computers through the military, uh, like because oh. of the people I was surrounded with. They all, you know, taught me how to build computers. I kind of skipped over that. That's cool. Um, yeah. But then when I when I joined uh, when I when I started Academy Art, um, everyone was on Mac, and I was like, well, I guess I need a Mac. So I just bought a Mac, and I was like, oh. This is uh, like I had a MacBook Pro for school, and I was like, "Oh, this is what you need, you know, uh, <laughs> to 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 run these programs." And I was like, "Oh, it's actually not that not that bad, this this Mac, you know." Cool. So I used iMovie to edit. Ah, and then would you? What would you? How would you distribute them? Was it YouTube? At the time, it was Vimeo. Yeah, I was putting stuff on Vimeo because I didn't know about I didn't I knew about YouTube, but at YouTube at that time yeah. was um, it wasn't cool. It was like it was like cat videos and um, uh, not that it it would probably be fine there. It just I don't know for some reason I went to Vimeo because I thought YouTube was like for short videos. You yeah, know what I mean? and the wave of Vimeo was like that's where you get high quality videos. YouTube is for I like know. low quality trash. Yeah, it was like the but, narrative you would hear, you know. Damn, things have changed, huh? <laughs> As they do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it was on Vimeo, and then um, I kept doing those kinds of videos. And then I lived with, like, 
I was I knew like uh, Colby uh, from Macaframa, oh. and I knew Di- I knew Dylan, and like Colby for a while was like we. I don't think I was good enough to have a part, but he was filming me to do something. Oh, with cool! It, um, for a while, and then um, where's that footage? Edit. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and then uh, what else? Um, yeah, then I started hanging out with those, like uh, Dylan and those guys, and then got kind of introduced to more people from that experiment. That was after um, it, they already had their first video, and I kind of helped with like the promo for their bike they made with Rally. Oh, I just cool. put a photo up on my Instagram recently. Um, Dylan hooked me up with one of those frames, which was cool. Um, oh, that's great. And then, uh, where am I going with this? Video <laughs> photography, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and the whole time I was shooting video uh, or photography is like pretty, probably heavier than video at this time. I'm still shooting more photo because we started this thing called Full Frame Collective, mm-hmm. where we were posting. We made a website uh, and it had a little burrito <laughs> on the bottom corner, and like there was like eight contributors or nine contributors or so, and it was mostly bike related stuff at first. But we were all we all wanted to do. We all wanted to show more than that, but we wanted, I guess we leveraged our like somewhat small like bike kind of following to like photo following at first. And then that all got washed away with Instagram. <laughs> oh. Because uh, we all knew that people were, you know, not sharing photos that way. And Flickr, Flickr was a heavy thing for yep. me. Yep. Yeah. For a long time. Um, like I did a daily photo up on Flickr. <laughs> that was oh, like part sick. of my part of my routine. I would do a Flickr upload. It's so funny. How fucking how much easier is that than a daily video? Holy <laughs> cow! I know, dude. Yeah, now I'm doing daily videos. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So then, yeah. So, I guess maybe we could. Ju- how did the? How did you start making stuff for YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Let me. Let's skip to that. Uh, I have a funny. So this is my second YouTube account. Um, Ah, cool. My, my my first YouTube account, I learned about. So I was already uh, at a production company. I was already shooting video. So maybe how did? How yeah, did how did that happen? Yeah, because that's. So I started. So I was in college for new media, and then um, shooting photos, blah blah blah, and the Kodak PlaySport and all that. So I. How did it work? I I so I also learned how to do web design. So I was I was uh, very familiar with uh, CMS, uh, doing like WordPress and um, mm. like the back end of all that stuff. And I was familiar with HTML and, and, and style sheets and see, uh, um, what is it called? <laughs> CSS. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. And uh, just you know laying that stuff out. And some of that stuff comes from MySpace. <laughs> Sick. Uh, like digging into MySpace. Yeah. MySpace code back in the day That's but uh, right. anyways i learned some of that stuff through my program because you learn all the adobe programs so they had dreamweaver at the time i was gonna ask you that okay yeah so i was you know using that so i was in my third year of school about to finish it up i had a friend who was doing like video work at this place called warehouse and at the time they weren't a company it was just a bunch of guys and they just kind of had a title yeah. Uh, so they would look more legit, you know, but there's just a bunch of guys hanging out uh, and like all getting their own freelance and they had a, an office space that they would go to sometimes. 
So I knew that they were doing some web there. There was a web guy there. So I asked my buddy Brian, like, hey, you think you can like, I can come in and like talk to Mark about some web stuff? Because at all at once, I got three web jobs. And Whoa. I was still in college and I was like, holy shit. Like yep. I'm getting some momentum on this web stuff. I've uh, made what it. do I do? <laughs> What do I do? Like, I don't even know how to talk to these people. Like, I have no <laughs> training in, my, you know, what do I do? So I went and talked to him and, uh, you know, he like set me up a little bit and definitely guided me through the whole process. And then, uh, so I started working out of the little office on the Hope in the Hobart building on Market Street where second yeah. runs into market right there. Um, and I kept working out of the space and then they're like, you know, I learned more about the, the, the company, which wasn't a company yet. Right. Uh, and they were like, yo, here, dude, you're, you're part of us here. So I got business cards and I got an email. And then I was there doing just there as like, because at the time, everybody was doing bringing in their own work. And oh. whatever you did, it was just freelance. You're, you're, you're all individuals working under one like roof so if you right. did need to collaborate you can be like oh there's a guy that does motion graphics here oh this guy can do Sick. branding and you can just pass on the work to them it's just so everyone's working together kind of like a we work almost under one one name who are friends and then video started to really take off and at this time this is when the canon 7d came out and then the 5d came out and this is a very crucial oh. moment in video production as well like um, it changed the game for everybody um, because the I guess in photography people can relate to this too the accessibility to good cameras uh, in photography for a while was the price point to get a camera that could have interchangeable lenses and um, shoot at a high enough megapixel um, you had to spend a lot of money to get that. So that's what like separated professionals from like amateur photographers, right? right? And then as the, the, the technology became easier to access um, for regular people, all of a sudden there was a huge group of photographers, right? They're all professional photographers now. So then the rates for photography went down. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that wow. time period? I, I remember when that camera came out, but I, I didn't know that it affected the that makes sense though supply so, and demand the five yeah the 5d did come first um but basically the 5d and the 70 is exactly that is what kind of started that for video got it okay so that started to happen so then now people can buy because before that you couldn't buy a camera that had depth of field it first of all it was a full frame sensor which is unheard of uh, at the time it, right. there's there was depth and you put lenses on it and you can do shallow depth of field. <laughs> cool. So, so uh, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Just like talking under your mouth. Sorry, you guys can't see that. Uh, oh man, I'm getting sidetracked here. Oh yeah. So that happened for video, and then all of a sudden, everyone had access to make better video quality, and at the same time. Um, video production started to pick up um oh. i think i think what it was was the bandwidth for the web and people started like iphones started coming out you can start watching videos on your phone and then video became a way bigger demand because warehouse at the time was equally a little bit of video web and design 
was a lot like it was like 50 50 and then as video video production or the the needs for video started to increase uh people at warehouse started to shift their positions and that's kind of where i came in um they saw that i was shooting a bunch of photos and it was kind of mildly successful at probably at the most um, with the full frame thing and they're like oh you're like at the most, they probably saw that I was very active and, and like pushing it and, and shooting. And, and, and even though I'm not getting paid, I'm still doing it. They're like, oh, you're really into this. Like, maybe you can shoot video. And I was like, I do shoot video. Like, I shoot with this little shitty <laughs> Kodak Placeboard or whatever, you know? Like, I just don't <laughs> have a camera. So I ended up uh, getting a Canon 5D Mark III. That was my first oh. digital video camera. Well, it's actually a photo camera that shoots video, but, uh, <laughs> and, uh, that kind of led me into helping start shooting, uh, productions for warehouse. Um, oh. and then I became a person that was, because I went to school and I did a little bit of editing in class, like I learned how to edit kind of, I already knew how to edit, but then I learned kind of on the job while I was at warehouse. And then I slowly just stopped doing web. And then I would go on shoots and shoot a little bit of video. And we're talking like ah. simple stuff. This is like um, YouTube content for like instructables and like uh, uh, YouTube stuff for like liquor.com. And like it started to get, the thing started to grow over time, but like I was doing the shoot, uh, the shooting and the editing. Oh, wow. And then, um, you know, getting paid for every piece of the puzzle. and. The, at, over time, as it grew, the company grew, and the structure changed. Um, I think we talked about this uh, off stream, but like I started to focus my attention on no editing and only shooting, and really trying to develop and try to go the route of like being like a cinematographer or like a director of photography or whatever title you want to give it, um, and just be the guy in, in charge of the camera department. Basically, as productions grew. That's kind of the role I started to push myself into. Cool. And then as I moved to New York, like we further developed that. And at this whole same time, we're getting to the YouTube. <laughs> uh, I also had the, the desire and the need to want to shoot my own stuff and I had nowhere to put it. So originally, like I said, I was putting it on Vimeo, but I learned about YouTube through the warehouse. Um, because we were putting some of their videos on YouTube, uh, and and I, and then I started to learn about the monetization of YouTube because it was fairly new at the time. So I set up a YouTube channel, and I just set it to monetize. And I have a funny story about it. There's a we had a dinner party at my house, and my girlfriend's friend, we were like eating dinner, and he's like, "Holy shit!" And he just showed me this thing on his phone. He's like, "Look at this video. It's so hilarious." And it was this DeLorean car that was like a boat but it was like hovering over the water in the bay and it's coming out of the out of the bay area or out of the bay and it comes up on the beach right in front of the guy carrying the camera it does a donut on the beach and then drives and then floats off in in the water towards the bay bridge and the sun is setting and it's like 11 second video i just monetized my account and i was like hey this is a viral video this video is viral. Whose video is this? Where did you get it? He's like, oh, my friend just shot it. He just emailed it to me. And Same. I was like, hey, I, I just set up my YouTube to be monetized. 
I, I guarantee you this thing goes crazy. And he was like, well, I was like, can you, maybe, can you ask him if we can post this video? And he was like, yeah. So he wrote him and he's like, yeah, you can post it or whatever. Sick. So we posted, that was my first upload on YouTube. I posted it up. Uh, we took a bunch of time to like do like uh, all these tags and whatever on YouTube. And then I posted it up. It was like a Friday. Oh, and then uh, the guy who also posted Tatum, my girlfriend, is in, uh, telling me a fact that I forgot. He, uh, I posted on YouTube, so we had the link. He sent that link to his friend who has like a pretty high Reddit level on Reddit. So they posted it on Reddit somewhere. The video blew up, and I had no idea because I just started the YouTube. I didn't wow. think anything of it. I came back to work on Monday to Warehouse, and I walked in, and they're like, dude, what's going on? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they're like, we got all these voicemails, all these emails. So then I checked my Whoa. email. I have emails on like my Flickr account. I have emails on my like, Vimeo. I have Whoa. emails on anything they can find. They emailed me. I looked at the video. Everyone's asking for this video, and I look at the YouTube thing. It has like over a million views. It's been two days over the weekend. <laughs> oh my god! And this was like 2010. Uh, yeah, or so. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> it had all these views in a few days, and it was fucked up, uh, crazy. And I felt, you know, I was like, ah, I told you this was viral. Like, I was like, yes. <laughs> but then you didn't make the Duh. video too, which is kind of weird, right? I, so yeah, I didn't shoot the video, but we asked if we could post it, and like. You know, it, it's a weird thing. <laughs> so I put it up, and yeah. Uh, what happened with that interesting thing that happened with that video is kind of the backlash is the city saw the video eventually oh. and tried to tried to go after the guy, and they made some new law where or they tried to pass a new law where they weren't allowing him to use that hovercraft uh, in the water anymore. Whoa. And then... So he had this petition to go against it because um, they were just trying to get him out of the water. But eventually, eventually he got everything overturned and it was still legal for him. And sometimes you would see the Giants play in the uh, San Francisco Giants baseball team. Uh, the camera would do a cutaway because, you know, I don't know if you've seen one of those games. There's a lot of people that hang out in boats because when you hit yes. a home run, you can hit it out of the park into the water. Yep. So sometimes there's people in boats hanging out. Sometimes they would like cut to him and he's like hovering around doing donuts and it's the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> so that video wow. made uh, that video made some money. It, I mean, at the oh, time, sick. it was an 11 second video. It made a couple hundred dollars. And sick. This, to this day, when I posted it up, uh, I was like, if this thing does well, I'll take everyone out to dinner. There was like four of us, and I still haven't, I still haven't taken anyone out to dinner. You're I mean, still... I've taken Tatum out to dinner plenty of times. So that counts. Like, yeah. yeah. But I didn't take. I mean, I haven't seen everyone else. We haven't all hung out anymore uh, together. <laughs> but I still owe them. So if anyone's watching this, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they're not. They're oh, not yeah. watching. So that was the first YouTube channel, and then that channel, I grew it to like a thousand subs which oh. if you know anything about that the first thousand is so hard to do and i was very proud of it and i was like this is gonna and i was like uploading my codec play sport videos to it learning about how things get demonetized with music it was pissing right. me off uh <laughs> learning the early on things about youtube then and that video was uh or that account got demonetized permanently because Whoa. of something 
that has nothing to do with YouTube. It's because AdSense is connected to yep. um, also banner ads that you can put on websites. And at the time, like I said, I had some uh, website experience. Uh, I had a banner ad too close to like navigation and I didn't know that this was a rule. It wasn't oh. me trying to get people to click the banner. It was oh. just like, I just put it in the footer. Anyways, they didn't hear me out. I waited like two full years to get it resolved until they Whoa. finally kept saying no. Did you have to wait six months for an appeal? Oh, God. And uh, so it never worked, and I had to give up those thousand subscribers. So then I started a new YouTube channel in 2015, and I started it here in New York. Yeah, On okay. December 24th. It was like the day before Christmas. And I uploaded the first couple of rides. You're like, I need to do YouTubes again. <laughs> well, I needed a place. Yeah, I needed a, a, an outlet, and I didn't know what to do yeah, with it. Right. Um, and like I said, um, or maybe I didn't say it, um, YouTube has always been a place for me to put things out there, and they're not fully cooked ideas. It's not like they're not always totally full edits or anything. It's like uh, a lot of it was like, oh, what does this camera angle look like? Uh, I'll go ride my bike or, oh, I have an idea for this. Let's go try this. Oh, let's put a, you know, a gimbal here on a backpack and try to see what this angle looks like. You know, just trying, yeah. like, just experimenting with stuff and putting it up. Um, and that's kind of where, like, Hotline came from. It was, like, me testing a camera idea. And it was actually oh. a test for... Um, using it for client video and like those 4k chasing videos i have of like matt reyes with pizza slice and all that yeah i was i was like getting comfortable shooting on a boosted i was on a boosted electric skateboard right matt on all that and i was getting comfortable learning how to shoot on a skateboard because i was going to go travel to a couple cities a couple weeks after that with boosted board they're paying for a production for us to go and shoot people on boosted boards. So I wanted to make God. sure that I can do it and I was comfortable. And that's where those videos came from. Like these are all experiments and trials. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's kind of just what this whole thing turned, like has always been and kind of grew into. Like I didn't just, now I'm talking about my YouTube channel and how I started it. Uh, <laughs> I'm fascinated. No, I, didn't, I, I didn't have like an idea like I'm going to do this and I'm going to follow people through traffic and I'm going to do like a nonstop like uncut thing of someone flowing through traffic through different cities and call it hotline. It was just like I need to try to figure out this camera angle for this job. Huh. Oh, let's put a gimbal on my helmet. Sick. Oh, yeah. this will be cool. And I go back and look at the footage and I'm like, holy shit. I don't have to edit this like this doesn't need to be edited in fact wow this could be a longer clip and you can watch it because it's so intense it actually builds the intensity because there's no editing when you're riding through new york so then uh like you got to think at the time bike videos for the most part it's like edit 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 because the camera's shaky or it's like you know you, you're cutting out the the fat or whatever but when the camera is like up there and so stable, it just turned into this new thing. That's kind of what it turned like huh. what it was. And I was like, oh, we, this is sick. I can watch this for like three minutes. That's a hotline. I, my friend helped me come up with a name, but that's kind of where uh, that whole thing came from. It's just it was just like the path I took and that's where it brought me. And I'm bringing up hotline because that's kind of in the 4K chasing. Those videos are kind of what helped. Uh, grow the channel really quick in the beginning. 
So. But then now you do you you make a video. You've made an agreement to make a video a day, in addition to live streams every morning. <laughs> uh yeah, and uh, that was before everything that's going on in the world. Um, at the end of the year, um, I made a video about like the psychological effects of cycling, and it was like that kind of. It's more about me. Just I just wanted to like rant off to a microphone unedited and and i just put it over some writing footage um but during that time the reason why i made that video is like i was kind of falling into a really dark place for the first time in a long time and it was i realized it was due to cycling and so instead oh, of like interesting instead of like not it's it, it was due to not riding my bike and instead of like going on a bike ride i pushed it even further like almost like intentionally didn't ride even longer <laughs> to see how far it would go and then i made the video about it so coming out of that it was like a challenge to see how far i could push that wait 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 so you were not riding and feeling gross and then decided to not ride even more to see what yeah. that was like yeah yeah whoa yeah. <laughs> i mean it's easy to do in new york i mean you know i mean i haven't lived in portland but i see some of the days you like are out there and you're like, what the fuck are you doing out here? It's 30 degrees and sleeting, and right. <laughs> I'm on my fourth pair of gloves. Like, yeah, there are days like that in New York, uh, nonstop, and in the winter sometimes when you're just like, fuck, do I really want to go out and ride? Yeah, like that. And then you know, so then yeah, I just drove it into the ground to see how much I can take. Whoa. And I think that was, I think that was the first challenge that kicked off. Um, my first ever like dry, dry January, um, which was, I heard uh, a colleague of mine was just like, oh yeah, oh, I'd love to meet with you, but we can have coffee. I'm doing dry January. I was like, dry January, what the fuck is that? And what this was it? in December. It's like where you don't drink any alcohol oh. for the whole month. Yeah, and I was like, I never heard of that. I'm gonna do that. And so I did oh. that. That was the next, my next challenge, you know? Got it. And, uh, and then I started, I challenged myself to do that, and then I was like, what else can I challenge myself? I bet you I can do a video every day, so I'm gonna do a video every day. Did you and document I, or talk about the dry January too, or was that just a personal challenge? Uh, slightly, slightly. I think I brought it up in a video or two. But it wasn't a focus. Uh, yeah, I didn't like, cause, uh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I guess alcohol is one, you know, I don't want it, I don't think it's like that big of a part of my lifestyle, but then I realized it's kind of big part of, riding bikes for me like after yeah. riding i want a beer and that's yeah. what i realized like especially like hanging out like riding more of a casual ride like a night ride with some friends like i just want to drink a beer with everyone afterwards you know sure. yeah 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 <laughs> and it's like i'm sitting in a bar they're like fuck this is actually really hard and this is actually really a part of it you know so yeah. i didn't really talk about that part too much um yeah well it's i think it's interesting because it seems like just recently you've been starting to show a little bit more of a, for lack of a better word, like a personal side or like your personality, which before was like non-existent in the channel. Yeah. Um, that was, uh, something I've been struggling with, um, for a while. I wanted to, um, you wanted to. you're in a, you're in a video 
where I started experimenting with like vlogging or like you know going to events and like talking to the camera oh, a little yeah. bit. Oh yeah, the red. You're hook? in like a red hook crit one, and like that's when I first started to like try to do it, and I just don't like. Uh, I much rather this conversation where there's a back and forth and it's like real time where I don't need to edit myself yeah uh, it feels more natural to me and just editing myself talk it just felt really strange so I tried it I did it wasn't for me and that was the first time me I was trying to show myself um, totally. and then I started doing those like uh, TV shows which are like they're interviews at my studio in person and I got more into like the audio and like uh you know having a camera and doing it live so we can have like live feedback from people and that was uh, an opportunity for me to also show myself as an interviewer to also like segue myself into a piece of content without being like hey you know what i mean like all of a sudden like i'm here with this person and we're gonna have a little chat and then totally. that was kind of my idea to get it in. And now look, I'm doing one of these with you right now. I feel pretty comfortable just talking straight to the lens. It's not. Yeah. You get used to it. Yeah. It's just practice, really. Um, but I still prefer, like, I recently I filmed a quick little intro outro to a video where I talked to the camera and it wasn't live. And I had to, like, even though I didn't edit it, I just put it in the video. I still, it, even talking to it when I know. It's not live. It's just something in my, it just doesn't work for me yet. Maybe it'll work one day, but <laughs> not there yet. Yeah, that's funny. You know, one thing that I think is so cool about your approach to, it, it sounds like it's approach to life maybe, but specifically with the videos is you're so open and down with just trying stuff, seeing how it works on to the next, try something like you don't have a, you're not stopped by fear which is so cool. It's uncommon. It's, I think it's, maybe it's just the way that I look at YouTube. I think it's important um, to try new stuff and see how it works, you know? And it might be, uh, you know, kind of terrible to, for my audience sometimes when I'm just like, when I refer to my YouTube channel as like a testing ground, it's like, oh, we're just, Terry's just testing some new shit on us. <laughs> But that's kind of what it is. And I, and I think some of the people there uh, kind of appreciate it because lately I've also, as well as being talking to the camera, I've been the whole hotline like helmet setup. I kind of didn't talk about it for a long time. And like, if you go back and watch some old video, old hotline videos, people are like, what camera is that? Holy shit. Blah, blah, blah. Like, and you know, I used to respond like, oh, it's a red camera on my head or, you know, like, and all it is is a GoPro and a gimbal, you know, they just, it was, uh, I just didn't want it. I didn't want to give people the keys to drive right away. You know what I mean? I, I was like, figure it out for yourself, you know, but now, now that I'm past that and I've done enough of them and I've, I've, I've changed my views on it. I'm kind of like, here's what I did. Take it, you know, and, and, and try it. So I'm doing that more now with, with camera stuff. And I'm, cause I do have like, I'm pretty comfortable talking about camera stuff. I'm, there's a bunch of idiots on YouTube who talk tech. So I feel like I can fit right in with a bunch of people who think they're, you know, know what they're talking about, but we all are just giving our opinions really. Um, yes, yes, yes. Which is great <laughs> so, too. Yeah. So it's just my opinion. Uh, and it's usually around being on a bike or whatever. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to use 
this is what I think about this camera. And this is how I set it up. Check it out. Like, so some of these daily videos are, they're not so like um, edited, like something I would show to uh, a bunch of people, you know, at a film festival or anything. But it's more like, hey, this is the camera setup. This is what New York looks like right now. I might talk a little bit while we're doing this, uh, tell you how I'm doing or whatever, or talk about something. And while it's happening, check out this new camera perspective. This is how I set it up or whatever, you know? I mean, it's the evolution of it, I suppose. Yeah, it's just like, here's uh, some of these, some of the, the people on the channel like to hear about the, the new camera stuff. So I'm always like trying to push the, um, you know, push the envelope a little bit. Um, for this stuff because it's a very specific and you know from your uh your ride videos when you go out and you film your rides it takes a what you do takes a whole hell of a lot of effort to like stop put a camera down and, and film and then go back and pick it up and then like talk and then interview people on the bike and then like you know filming the whole ride and then still enjoy the ride and still be able to hang out with your friends or whatever you know it's it's a lot going on so <laughs> you know how yeah, the edit part is yeah the whole other part, but like the the specialty in this like field of like making cycling content is like the cameras. You don't want them to be too big. Uh, you want good quality, but you don't want them to be too heavy. Uh, battery life uh, is it waterproof? Like, there's all these little things. Like, can you carry it on you? Like, is it a pain in the ass to use? <laughs> yes. You know, so it's a very specific type of uh, like film making like tools that you you want to use, and um, I'm just down to always like experiment and see what's working, what's not. And right now, I'm using uh, I've been playing around with this uh, Sony RX Zero Two, which has really good really good quality um, with this like new lens on it, and I've just been doing these like no talking kind of like showing what New York looks like right now, and it's like got an anamorphic lens on it and it just looks really looks pretty nice yeah <laughs> and I, yeah i look like a goofball though because i'm riding my bike i have to ride it one hand because i have to use a big ass gimbal with it so i'm like oh. holding a gimbal <laughs> so whatever it's fun though well terry everyone's left the ride it's just damn it i bored them to death <laughs> I, I helped i helped i did my part there's, there's 12 people watching wait what place are you in does it tell you are you just spinning out i'm just lost. 17 miles i'm lost at this point i know i could have tried harder 17.6 miles how long have you been on here oh you're oh, a little over an hour okay um so i don't know oh hey hi what do they do to find you? Just, just search in YouTube, Terry Berenson. The, the, there's a link in the description also. Yeah, just Terry Berenson to uh, find me on uh, YouTube or Instagram. I have a little uh, camera head illustration right yeah. now as my little icon. So Good tip. I like that. You can check that out. Um, yeah, or just uh, if you have any questions, um, a little email or a DM on Instagram works. Operators are standing by. Thank you, yeah, Terry. They're ready. Thank, thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week if all goes according to plan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dustin. See ya.